Welcome to Get in the Herd, a podcast about addiction and recovery brought to you by the McShin Foundation. If you or a loved one are looking for real discussions about addiction, recovery, stigma, advocacy, and most importantly, hope, then stick around. Thanks for joining us. Now sit back and get ready for another great episode of Get in the Herd. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Get in the Herd After Hours. After Hours. Uh, I'm your host, Alex Bond. Um, Get in the Herd is a recovery podcast brought to you by the McShin Foundation. I, myself, am a recovery coach, recovery coach trainer, uh, and house leader at the McShin Foundation, among other things. Uh, But more importantly, I am a person in sustained recovery from substance use disorder, which means that since September 23rd, 2019, I have not found the need to put any mood or mind-altering substances in my body and have found a new sense of purpose in my community and have found my identity again. I'm here with Lori and Tina. How are we doing, ladies? Very good. Hi, how are you? Great. Very happy to have you on. Um, Lori, would you like to introduce yourself to everyone? Yep. My name's uh, Laurie McDougall. Um, I am the executive director of an organization called Rest Resources Education and Support Together. Um, It's an educational group for families and uh, friends of loved ones with substance use disorder. I'm also the co-chair of the Rhode Island uh, Governor's Overdose Task Force. Awesome. And uh, Tina, great to have you on. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Tina Freitas, and I've been an advocate for about six years. Um, I've done a little bit of everything, and right now I'm working as um, the assistant to Laurie at Rest, um, and working. Um, I want to be a facilitator for craft meetings, so that's what we're going to be working on. Wonderful, um, Laurie. Can you uh, explain to everyone what craft? Uh, craft means and exactly kind of what rest does maybe their um or your um curriculum and process methodology that sort of stuff sure so um uh so rest is an we're an educational group for families and we are all about getting educated about all things substance use disorder um so we also have a ton of connections to local Uh, and national resources for uh, loved ones with substance use disorder. Um, But our main purpose is to get family members and friends educated in a very specific methodology called CRAFT, Community Reinforcement and Family Training, um, which was created by Dr. Bob Myers out of the University of New Mexico. It's the only, um, it's the only, methodology created for families. It's widely studied. Um, And how I discovered craft personally was I found this website, um, Allies in Recovery. And Allies in Recovery um, has actually uh, eight different modules. They have an e-learning platform with videos and activities that come along with the videos. Um, and it's based in craft methodology. Um, so once I found that website and started implementing it in my own home with my, uh, with my loved one, my son, um, I had also been attending lots of other groups out there. So Naranon, Al-Anon, Codependence Anonymous. And um, I thank God they, thank God they're there uh, because they saved me. But there was a piece that I wanted, um, that I thought should be added to some of these groups. And that's how REST got created, uh, really, is I decided to combine this idea of education, the craft curriculum that's on the Allies in Recovery website. And um, I'm a former high school math teacher. So I'm, I'm all about getting educated nice. and thought I'm going to offer a different kind of group to families that, um, that are struggling with this issue. And the uh, craft methodology is really a structure 
for uh, families to learn new coping strategies, new skills, um, and all it's all about taking care of themselves, but also influencing and being able to direct their loved ones into, um, I don't want to say recovery, I want to say into a better way of life, right? It gives, it gives your loved one um, more opportunity to be successful in what it, whatever it is that they're finding for themselves. Mm -hmm. To maybe maybe inspire hope in their family members and and, and that sort of thing. It does. It does, but also, but also, I mean, it's very. It's um, behavior very, modification. I'd call. Well, some of it is. Uh, some of it is, but it's all. It's all about how do you communicate? How do you interact? How do you separate the person from the illness? Right? How do you? But still stay connected. And I would honestly say that. Um, I'm very familiar with the peer model, the peer recovery model. Craft is like the peer recovery model for families. And cool. it's applying the peer recovery model for families so that families can then approach their loved one on a more strength-based. Healthy basis. Yeah, mm -hmm. healthy, positive. Um, what do you want? How can I help you with what you um, are looking for, right? Difficult, no, right? But it's very positive, very positive, very non-judgmental, and it really allows the family to also bring their own. So the families often bring their own kind of um, emotional baggage and trauma to the table as well, and so the craft method like allows for that and is very helping uh, to the family to understand what their loved one is going through at the same time. No, that's good. I, I was about to ask that because from, from my experience and um, speaking with people on the show specifically and people outside of this, um, say your, your Al-Anons and your Naranons, a lot of that stuff is um, very emotional based and it's a lot of like, helping me and you internally but it may not have that education piece where i'm actually like learning why my addict is the addict the way that he or she right. is it's kind of more like how do i fit in the puzzle piece more than right. it is education has that been your experience right. tina do you do you go to al-anon and that sort of stuff me yes ma'am oh no no i i've never been to i went into recovery 25 years ago from cocaine and I did it on my own because back then a lot of times you were doing it on your own. So I did and lucky enough I stayed away from it. So um, I don't I don't know too much about them, honestly. Um, but I know what other people have told me and, and some people just can't get past the, the, you know, the certain way that they want mm -hmm. them to be. There's, uh, you can't always fit the round peg in the square, you know, shape. So. Um, as soon as I went on to Allies in Recovery and I started with her with rest and I started going through the modules, I said to myself immediately, I wish I had this when my, my boys are in their 30s now. And I so wish I had it when back in the early 20s and the late teens and what I could have probably helped them through a lot mm -hmm. better. The house was in chaos. We fought and fought and fought. Mm -hmm. And that got nowhere. That actually just made things worse. So when I started looking into uh, rest and what she was talking about, and it was just so interesting to me, and it's like a no-brainer, but you, you're so used to, you got stuff down your throat that they have to hit rock bottom, and they have to do it like that, and, you know, that's what was in my head, and that doesn't have to be like that at all. Mm -hmm. No, that 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 brings up a really good point because um, you know some of this stuff is a no-brainer. And uh, Lori, you might be able to help me out with this because I have not been in your class, or um, but I know from certain people, you know, family of um, addicts um, have said, you know, the whole the piece of where you have to let them do them, and and maybe it's counterintuitive to want to help but can't or don't 
or, or you actually shouldn't because a lot of times it is it, it is very intuitive to a mother to want to do everything that they can for their son or daughter, especially when they're struggling. But that could actually end up having an adverse effect to the addict. Um, Lori, is that kind of uh, part of part of the model a little bit? Is that true or is that a myth? Yes, it is. And it isn't. It's actually both. Um, so it depends on what we're talking about. What, um, yeah, doing things for the person with substance use disorder, oftentimes like, you know, giving out money or, mm. um, you know, rescuing them from situations. Bailing me out of jail. <laughs> bailing me out of jail. It does. And it, it, it um, those things may make it worse right it can make it worse but also there are things that you can do right you can say hey you know what i know you i know you messed up a little bit and you're gonna have to face that but i'm still here for you mm. right and you know um or or you know what i just don't have the money right now i love you very much and i wish i could give it to you but i don't have it so can i help in another way Mm -hmm. You know, th th there's just, th there are things that you can do. Um, and this is one of the things that I like to, I, I do like to tell families and I, and I'll tell you this, Al-Anon and Naranon tell you what to do. So I think that craft and the allies and recovery website and all of this, they marry very well with Al-Anon and Naranon because Al-Anon and, and Naranon will tell you what to do. They tell you how to take care of yourself. And that is a huge piece of this, but craft gives you the skills, right? Craft tells you the skills that you can use. It gives you something tangible if that makes sense. And so, yes, um, it's very much, it's learning what's healthy boundaries, right? What's a healthy boundary and how do I hold to it? Mm -hmm. Right. And how do I stay connected and not use my boundary as a punishment? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. That healthy boundary piece is not easy to do. I have an exercise yeah, with coaches. Like I never realized how many unhealthy boundaries I had until I did this exercise that I was doing one day. And and, you know, realizing that maybe my problem is maintaining my boundaries compared to like you, a lot of people don't communicate their boundaries and just saying, don't cross this line. It's just supposed to be understood and mutually respected by all people when that's not how it works, especially for people suffering with our disorder. Mm -hmm. Well, and I'll also tell you this. We as family members don't listen or pay attention to our loved ones boundaries. Right. We don't when they're when our loved ones are saying, you know, you're trying to control me, you're getting into my life and I don't want you to. We have a tendency to dive in deeper versus backing away and listening to those boundaries. So me as a family member, I had to learn um, my loved ones setting up a boundary for me. That's that's their boundary. And if I want them to respect my boundary, I have to respect theirs first, right? It really it comes down to me. Um, so yeah, the healthy boundaries piece is, uh, it's a tough topic. It is, it, it very much is. Um, Tina, I, I'd love to know your history and, and how you got involved. It sounds like you've you've been in the recovery circuit, I think you said for 25 years now. How, how did you get involved in REST? Well, I'm actually advocate advocating for six years not the whole 25 because i oh that's awesome yeah i was i was busy fighting with my teenagers <laughs> um other than, it was a friend of mine had lost his son um and it was somebody that i had known from uh when i was a little kid last time i'd seen him in his junior high and this is 30 years later and i saw him giving the eulogy at his son's um his son's eulogy and he was just breaking down and he was one of the first people to actually mention what was going on in the eulogy and in the, in the obituary. Um, and so that just kind of crushed me and I got in touch with him. And at that point he had said, I said, what, you know, what can we do? And he said, just make awareness. He said, we have to make awareness. And that's what I've been doing. But no, that's, now, I, that's... now I found something else that I'm really happy about. <laughs> Yeah, because that, that that then leads into kind of a question that I've been thinking, Lori, is 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 advocating a part of this process? Because I, I feel like 
you know, at least for me personally, if I'm not sharing what's been shared with me, it's just inherently selfish, which is bad for my recovery too. Um, so if I'm holding on to all this information and, you know, harnessing it and just like hoarding it to myself, then it feels very selfish to me. Is that kind of part of your program as well? I, I, I know I'm kind of just asking, is this exactly like recovery is um, in, in a few different ways? But I feel like advocating would be a very, you know, important piece in this in this craft and, and, and um, rest methodology. I, I do think that, um, yes, advocating is a huge piece of it. Um, we don't, you know, we don't have any expectations of other family members or members that come into the group. Um, they can participate in whatever level they are most comfortable with. Sure. But for me, it's a huge piece. It, it happens to be one of the things that we were just recently discussing about how, um, you know, distress tolerance and how, what are some things that we can do to, to um, raise our tolerance of stress. And one of the, one of the major pieces for me is doing for others and this for me is that craft was um it changed my life it changed how it, my total approach to my son um it it really it changed everything um and i and i would say my son's now uh december 19th he'll be in recovery for five years um and i don't believe that craft is what put him in recovery. His recovery is completely all his work and all his doing. I really strongly believe that. What I do believe that I was able to do is I was able to create an environment where he was more likely to be successful. Um, and and it, wasn't, it wasn't easy. It was a long, hard, and it's still, it's yeah. still not easy. It's continuous um, for sure. <laughs> Continuous, it's ongoing. Um, it is not a straight line. It's more like a big squibbly line. Um, but uh, now I want, I, I just have something inside of me that I have to, I want families to know that there is hope and that yeah. there are things you can do. There are things you do not have to totally disconnect from your loved one. Um, and I think that, I think for the most part, Families are um, desperately, desperately looking for answers and solutions. It's just that right now, or what they've been trying hasn't been working. And Kraft offers some solutions that has some good, strong success, right? So inviting people in, would you like to give it a try? This this may be something you've never looked at before. Um and why don't you come on in and learn how to set some good, healthy boundaries, learn how to communicate with your loved one in a way that um, you're not pushing them up against the wall and, you know, you're banging heads all the time. And um, it's going to lead to more uh, communication instead mm. of. Yeah, communication, I think, is actually the biggest foundation of craft, right? It's, it's this communication piece, but then there's, um, there's two other pieces that are also really, really important, which is, um, rewarding positive behavior, but removing rewards during, um, uh, negative behavior. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so really reinforcing positive behavior, but then not engaging with the negative behavior, not as a punishment. Um, so those are like the three foundational pieces. Um, and really, really it gives you a lot of um, creative, strategic ways on how to implement it. That's cool. Tina, did, did, did you, uh, I, I assume working for them, that, that you did some of these meetings and classes, right? What the craft class? I've yes, gone to her meeting. I've gone to her meetings and watched her meetings. Yes. Okay, great. Um, I, I was curious what your personal, um, as well as maybe professional, um, biggest takeaway from it was. When you maybe maybe like your number one, like oh my gosh, I can't believe I was missing this moment. It's just you come out with more hope. It's um, it's the when when you're explained the way it is it makes sense to you 
And when you say, I had used this without even knowing that I did use it with my boys. And what, and I probably should have kept using it, but I didn't even know it was a thing back then. So I didn't know if I was doing something right or something wrong. And looking back, when I was calm and I wasn't yelling at them, that's when the most got done. That's when the most communication happened. Um, that's when they were able to sink a little bit more into their minds. Um, mm -hmm. That's what you need. You can't, you're not going to have a relationship if you can't get past that. So you got to, and that's what I came out of there with was there's a lot of hope for families out there. They just need a little guidance. That's all. No, that's awesome. I mean, we've been talking uh, about this educational piece for a while now, and, and it's really cool to actually see something that is is productive in educating these families because it's consistently like, all right, harm reduction, education, and awareness um, w when it comes to the preventive measures. Um, and it's good to actually see something so productive and working that two people are very passionate about um I, I, now just as a bit of like a, a a curveball honestly so i know a lot of people here at the mcshin foundation who are from maine and um come down with operation hope and um or say a waterville program where they essentially turn themselves in and they say look i've got a substance problem i don't know what to do and you can pretty much pick an rco a recovery community organization to go to and they will like foot the bill for a month to go to like, say the 28 day program here at McShen. Um, and, and I've heard it's because there is not a lot of stuff like this up in Maine and was just curious if, you know, the recovery community is as volatile as my head pictures it is in new England up there, because I, I have some friends and family who've dabbled in and out of it. But to my knowledge, it is pretty, hard or or or, or it's far maine, and few in between because they're so um there's a lot of rural areas in maine sure so yeah they don't get you know the attention that the the inner cities and stuff get um but they do have just as many problems you know sure. it is sad up there the, i know there's a lot of, um i'm trying to think of the, the name of the there's a harm reductionist group up there that um they were doing well for a while, and I think I, I think something happened, and they had to split up. But yeah, I feel bad for the ones that live, you know, out out of the range of getting good help, you know. But there are these types of services in Rhode Island, right? Oh yeah, no, there's a robust uh -huh. recovery community and programs um, in Massachusetts, and in Connecticut, and in Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. um, and I can tell you, I, I mean, Connecticut has CCAR and uh, the recovery community is really up and running. Um, What's CCAR, if you don't mind explaining CCAR, what that is? Oh, gosh. Can, of course you'd ask. <laughs> uh, CCAR is, let me think, Connecticut something. Community for Addiction Recovery? Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> I'm, I just Googled it real quick. I'm, 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 I'm no smarter than anyone else. Um, yeah, no, I think There's that, a Recovery Coach Academy. No, yes, that's exactly yeah. what I'm asking is I have this yeah. picture of all of New England in my head because these people no. from Connecticut, New Hampshire, and Maine come down here. So I'm like, what's going on up there? Well, Connecticut has a relatively robust um, uh recovery communities. Rhode Island has a very robust uh, recovery community. We've got Rikers, we've got two Hope Recovery Centers in the southern part of the state and in Newport. We've got Anchor Recovery, which I don't know if you've heard of that, but Anchor Recovery, um, Serenity Recovery, the East Bay Recovery Center in Bristol. So no, no, we're, we have a strong, robust recovery community in Rhode Island. And actually Rhode Island um, uh, has a lot of like model programs. So they have like a, um, they have a fantastic program in the, in the prison system um, where they introduced medically assisted recovery. Um, and in fact, they were piloted 
it was piloted in because Rhode Island is so small. They only have the one prison system. So they were able yeah. to pilot this program in the prison system and had unbelievable success. It's something like 64% reduction. The first ones to, the, um, to, I believe it. To help the, um, to expunge the, um, the expungement. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's um, expungements. Yeah, they do. They do have um, help for expungement, um, but they also like those of people with felonies for substance. Yeah, yep. They have help like possession. Yep. They also have, um, so they have PARI-like programs. So they have the Hope Initiative, which is run by the um, the state police. It was started by uh, Captain Matt Moynihan, um, and then they also now they are starting to get a lot of. Um, local police on board with the state police in the HOPE initiative. And they also right. have the Providence safe stations. So you can go into any one of the fire departments in Providence. Oh. And remember, Rhode Island's small. So getting to Providence is not, not a, you can live on the other side of the state and getting to Providence isn't going to take too long. Mm -hmm. um, but you can do the same type of thing. You can drop in at any one of the fire departments. Um, and ask for help and they will call in a, a peer recovery, actually two peer recovery coaches and try and get you the services that you need. Um, as well as they have something called BH Link, which is a, um, it's a triage system. So it's a telephone crisis hotline for mental health and substance use mm -hmm. disorder, but it's also a physical building. So, um, if you if you go there and you're in crisis, it's also a way to kind of circumvent the emergency room and not have yeah. to the emergency room. Have with to an wait in the waiting room for two hours when I'm having a mental breakdown or something. Right, like right. That. They, yeah. They'll hold you. They give you a. They try to give you a bed for like 23 hours, um, and all the while they bring in recovery services and they. Um, bring in recovery coaches and they try to get you to whatever level of treatment that you need. Um, so no, Rhode Island is really, really in the forefront and pushing for, it seems um, like it. They have with yeah. mental health too. They did Rhode Island's great as far as pushing things for mental health too. Oh yeah. Cause I, those two do go completely hand in hand. Yeah. And I'm seeing the BH link number uh, crossing the screen on the banner as we speak. Look at that. So, yeah. There that's you go, awesome. Todd. Yeah. That BH link number is four zero one four one four link. That's four zero one four one four five four six five to those listening. Um, so just, just to kind of like keep, keep the momentum, this is great because it dispels like a lot of preconceptions and preconceived notions and myths that like I have in my head, which I'm, 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 I'm generally confident that other people watching might have, um, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to location. Like I love talking and learning about how, um, the recovery community works, uh, geographically different because we we talk a lot about um, how there is no one size fits all model when it comes to recovery throughout the nation, which is uh, why I think it's really cool that your program um, in, in Rhode Island seems as, as successful as it is. Um, now, just just out of complete curiosity, is it generally um, moms that that you deal with more than um, fathers? Is it also siblings? I mean, how what's kind of like the demographic of people that you might deal with? Moms, <laughs> lots and lots yeah. of moms. Do, yeah, it is. I do have some dads, um, uh, but they're few and far between. Um, so typically it is moms. Uh, sometimes it's, um, I do have a lot of husbands and wives that will come. Uh, or like couples, um, yeah. Yep, yep. Siblings, almost never. Um, and, you know, that's a, that's a huge issue. That's very um, telling. Huh? I think that's very telling. I, 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 it feels like there's some sort of disconnect. Uh, maybe that's like a, a new age thing where it's like, not not to jump in and try to theorize and, yeah. and bloviate or whatever, but I think that generational gaps are even short or even, you know, 
shorter now nowadays with the proliferation of technology i feel like a generation was generally like 10 to 15 years and nowadays it's like five years so there's a major disconnect between siblings um which could result in maybe let them do them yeah and there's also you know um there's also this issue of um mom and dad trying to make decisions based on what they know and siblings uh, being angry and hurt that mom and dad are being affected so negatively. Um, also feelings of uh, uh, neglect, mm. right? Um, sure. Why yeah. do I have to put up with this because of that, you know? Um, so, it, but to be honest with you, I, I don't see this as any different as any other illness with siblings. Like, I think that that happens across the board when there is a chronic illness in the family. Mm -hmm. is I know that, that's crazy, but. Is, is that your experience too, um, Tina, that, that, that you haven't seen a lot of, dealt with a lot of siblings? Or, yeah, it's or, almost or like. Do you see that with, with maybe your um, sons at the same time, even though yes. they're kind of dealing with their yeah. own thing? Well, when they were younger and they were going through it, yeah. Sure. It was almost like, um, you know, I can't get into their heads of what they were thinking, but it was almost like one of them, if they, if they, it was almost going to ruin it for them. I yeah, you know what I mean? It's very hard for me because I didn't have siblings growing up. So it's very okay. hard for me to get into their heads, but I definitely see what you're saying. And it was a little bit like that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, um, you know, a, a lot of, and, and it, it goes both ways, of course, but I know that like, I am very egotistical and selfish as part of my disease. So when my sibling, uh, specifically my brother, is a very successful, well-rounded person, and I'm kind of like the screw up, it's like, but I need more help. And, and I feel like you're always on my back at the same time. It's like, I can never be happy because I'm either being pressure too much or not getting enough attention right. like it, it, it's this and weird bounce back and forth rivalry to begin with and yeah the relationship never mind one that's you know going through stuff one that's one that has has a, a chemical imbalance and and substance use disorder sprinkled on top of it and yeah. and, and shoved inside as well um so just to like switch gears a little bit um what, Lori, um, are your opinions on the Portugal model? So if you could kind of explain that to people a little bit, um, okay. that'd be great. <laughs> okay. I mean, the Portugal model is, is, um, is basically all about offering treatment on demand. Mm -hmm. It's about reclassifying substances, all substances, so that we're not criminalizing people that use substances so that I, I know it sounds crazy. Why, why would we want to reclassify and not put people in, in jail um, is so that the stigma is reduced mm -hmm. and people might be more open to receiving services and to asking for help. Mm -hmm. And um, so Portugal did this thing where they reclassified all substances. And let me make it clear. It's not, um, they did not, uh, yeah, they did not legalize all substances. They just reclassified them so that, um, and then they created like these dissuasion panels. So if there was a problem or a repeat pattern, you would go before a dissuasion panel and they would offer you different levels of services. And with the idea that when you're ready, you're going to ask for it or you're going to say, yes, I, I, you know what I do? I think I have a, I think I have a problem. Um, and, the, and basically what they did was they started treating substance use like an illness and they started treating it, you know, like in, at the primary care level. So the primary care might be um, screening someone for substance use disorder and be able to talk openly with them about it and be able to refer them to different types of services that might work for them. Um, and in order to have it be this, this healthcare issue, they had to reclassify um, substances. 
uh, which it, and the thing about it is, is it works fantastic. The numbers mm -hmm. are, the numbers just show that they're, um, they had something like, I want to say 400 overdoses in one year. And by like the next year or 34. within two years, yeah, it dropped down 34. to 34, 34, yeah, 34. 34. Um, because so, you know what too is the, they over there with the uh, medicated um, assisted treatment, they, uh, they, there's no voodoo about it over there. The, the people get it and you know, it's not like over here where half of this country thinks that it's replacing one drug with another drug. Over mm -hmm. there, they can freely take the help without feeling like they're doing something, you know? Mm -hmm. And maybe just a sidebar just popped into my head. Is is that part of, of your curriculum as well? Um, I, I hope that's the proper word, curriculum, is dispelling a lot of the stigma, especially attached to MAT. Yes. Um, it, it's so... I'm trying very hard not to push people. I don't want to push people in that, you know. Um, MAT is the only way, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to do that, but I want to get people educated in it so that they understand it and then they can make better um, choices, yeah. Yeah, I, and I don't even know if it's better choices is the word that I'm looking for, but. It's an informed decision, I think. Right. Or be more open to supporting your loved one. I, I'm a firm believer that. Um, how, how my loved one might do on uh, medically assisted recovery could be very dependent on my attitude towards it too. So, you know, my supporting him and driving him to his appointments and, you know, and sitting there waiting for him while he's in the clinic versus me spending all this time saying, oh, what are you getting on that for? You know, what do you? Oh, no, that's a very fair right? point. And, and, and yeah. during all of these, you know, phone calls, setting up an appointment, driving to the oh, appointment, right. waiting in the office are more opportunities for, for them to share why right. they're doing what they're doing and, and, and right. their experience and, and everything. That's a very and fair right. point. And maybe he has a better opportunity of being successful when he's on mm -hmm. whatever medically assisted recovery oh, um, absolutely. medicines that he, he's um, attempting to use. Um, but, but yeah, so, so the Portugal model really basically what they did was they reclassified substances and they started treating it like a healthcare crisis and they had huge success with it. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a great model. I don't know why we're not already using it. So, um, I, I, I being, being the, um, you know, inherent skeptic is because people are afraid especially in this country um people will not be able to capitalize it off of the current as such as the current system that we live in um tina i think pro possibly the best way to do this would be on a community level get every state to figure out if they want to do it and then once it's done state by state just federally do it kind of how they've been doing with uh cannabis currently um it's kind of the the process that I would imagine this could happen, you know, Rhode Island puts a bill in front of um, in front of the people and they say, are you for or against? And then if Rhode Island's for it, go to town and then you go state by state. Um, is, is that a feasible, you know, methodology to actually seeing this happen? Is, is it you, possible if, to if even do as a whole country? If, if we have enough people that sit down and actually listen, you know, to people like Laurie and listen to this whole thing, yes. I think mm -hmm. that... I think that it would help quite a bit mm -hmm. because the, my, my biggest fear would turn into people making uninformed decisions. And sure, we might end up getting what we want, mm -hmm. but it could end up a bunch of people up in arms like, I didn't know it was going to look like this. And then it catching a lot of accidental flack on the back end. On uh, what, because what specific are you talking about? Um, I'm saying if, say, hypothetically, you know, Rhode Island passes it and people yeah. vote for it and maybe it doesn't look like what they expected it to look like, even yes. even people who might be pro for it. I'm, I'm going super hypothetical here, but like de to declassify a Portugal flip. Yes, ma'am. Oh, OK. Um, um, yeah, I, 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 I'm just being, you I know, think Rhode Island, I think if Rhode Island does it and it looks good. I think others will definitely follow, just like you said, just like the cannabis thing. I think once it's done in one spot, they'll definitely be doing it other places. Yeah, so 
And I also... But does I, that put a lot of pressure on the first state that does it? Oh, yeah, of course it does. Yeah, but Rhode Island loves to be the first state to do things. It really yeah. does. <laughs> so, so, and let me, let me also kind of kind of tap in here a little bit on this because Please. the thing about Rhode Island is, is they're not, um, I haven't seen them make a move in, uh, with um, the opioid epidemic or substance use disorder without a lot of evidence and background and education supporting it. So one of the really good things about New England in general, um, and that would be Massachusetts and Rhode Island, um, New Hampshire, you know, there are really a lot of colleges, a lot of schools. It's a very, like Providence is very much a school-based city, city yeah. like Boston is, right? Um, and so I know the, the major players that are working on this, and I feel I have a tremendous amount of confidence in them, in what they're doing, they're they're not going in this lightly, and um, and I also believe strongly and wholeheartedly that they care a tremendous amount, um, and they want to. Uh, they're out there right now looking at all different models, and they're trying to bring back the best pieces from all of them and piece it together. So they're not, you know, they're not just going to throw something shabby up. Um, that's not how this group works. And the doctor from Portugal went before them. When yeah. He down, when we saw him, he went before the, um, before what? The whole state, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, <laughs> so actually, they, they know what, you know, all about it. Yeah. So actually, a Dr. Jody Rich, um, he's, he's out of Brown University. He's an epidemiologist in the state. He um, also heads up Cobra, this group in Rhode Island, and he flew Dr. He's friends with Dr. Galau, who is one of the major architects um, of the Portugal model. And he flew him out here to Rhode Island. Um, and uh, we, the family task force, another group, the super PAC and Dr. Rich, brought him up to the state house. He went around and he lectured throughout the state, but then they also brought him up to the, um, to the state house. He was introduced on the legislative floor, you know, the um, state senators and uh, legislators were able to talk to him, police and uh, police law enforcement. They were able to discuss things with him. Um, and uh, he, it was a great visit an absolute great visit. Tina and I both uh, got to meet him and ask him questions. Um, so they're not, I, I hear what you're saying when you're talking about um, it can go off the rails, right? When, when certain, everything I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm being, <laughs> you know, nervous Nelly. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I hear what you're saying because it seems like everything goes off the rails. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. When money's involved, man, it's, it's a struggle, right? Um, no, that's good. You, you said it seems like they're making a very informed um, decision. And, and I like how you said um, they're kind of picking different pieces from different models because I can guarantee you if copied what Portugal did, it's not going to work. And then we're going to get blamed for it. And then they'll never try anything like it for another 20 years. Right. right, right. But no, they're really, um, everything is very Really, the the one thing I can tell you too. So I'm also on the governor's prevention uh, overdose task force, and um, everything that we're told. So it's a it's a group of a huge amount of organizations throughout the state. Everything we're told has to be evidence based. Everything they want everything to be data driven. Good. I love it. Yeah, it's uh, I'm telling you, I feel privileged to be able to um, support and participate in in the state of Rhode Island and what they're doing. Um, it is very, very informed and educated and um, and very careful about how they're orchestrating everything. So 
No, that's good. I mean, I, we at the McShed Foundation are also evidence-based, which is really good and it's important um, because when it comes to a lot of recovery stuff, it is a uh, emotional disease. So when it comes to helping people, we use our emotions, but I, I can't convince you that our methodologies work if there isn't any scientific analytical Behind basis to it. Exactly. Um, has that also been you, you, your experience, Tina? I mean, I, I, I assume there are certain, certain things that brought you to um, to rest and and craft. Is that evidence um, a concrete? It you seem was. like a very concrete person had, a little bit. I had the same uh, thoughts as them anyway. But then with, when you look at the data and you can't deny that it helps, that that's what really, really put me over because I, I've never been like, okay, attached myself to any program at all. Mm -hmm. This is the first time that I have because in the past, I didn't find one really that I, I could truly say, I believe that that is going to help people. You know, I think that this helps everybody, everybody that goes into it. I think, well, it's not going to be magic, but they're going to come out feeling a little bit better with a little bit more hope, you know, towards the family and go home and maybe try these things. And, you know, that's what they need to do. They, they, there needs to be less arguing within, within the household, within the family, or, you know, just like anybody, if there's arguing, you're not going to get over it. You're not going to get through your recovery if you're fighting constantly day in and day out. No, no, that's, that's totally, totally valid. And, 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 um, what I hear, as we were talking about earlier, is not only will you feel better and it'll help you out, but you'll actually learn something too. And and, and instead of just like, I think those are kind of the two, you know, right. left brain, right brain, two pieces to the to the major puzzle. Um, Lori, Debbie had a question for you. Is Tom uh, Codera on board with this thinking? Yeah, Tom Codera. On, uh, I'm not exactly sure what she means. Is Tom Codera on board board with this thinking? I, I'm going to assume that she's talking about the Portugal model. That one, I'm not. I'm not so sure about. I haven't talked to him about this in particular. Um, I know that he is really in the forefront of um, of uh, having a wonderful, robust. Uh, re recovery community mm -hmm. in Rhode Island. Um, uh, but I'm not sure. I haven't really discussed that with him with the Portugal model. He also, um, he, he's also now in uh, working for SAMHSA in Massachusetts. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I know SAMHSA is a, a massive organization that continuously does uh, great work throughout the uh throughout the nation so um i i don't know anything about him but if you got samsa attached to your name i generally uh trust that your heart is in the right place uh, a lot of times well tom Cordier is really uh so he was governor gina Raimondo's right hand man for a couple of years he's on he is on the task force he still attends task force meetings um but now he's like the new england um coordinator for SAMHSA, something like that. Um, he's a big wig in SAMHSA. I, I know that. And he's a great guy. He, he's an, he is an advocate um, for people with substance use disorder. He is an advocate for families. Uh, his work is really, um, is really in the forefront of, of everything. He's, he's out there advocating for everybody. That's awesome. I love hearing that. Um, so before we kind of come to a close, I, I would like um, if, if Tina, uh, if you could explain how people might be able to get involved in rest. Can they do this via Zoom throughout the nation? Like, say, my mom, who lives in Virginia, who watches this, who probably feels very comfortable hearing her native accent coming out uh, from New England. Um, if she, say, hypothetically wanted to do any of this or any loved one. I'm just using her as an example. Uh, she's a great mother. Um, do you have like Zoom meetings or, or, or any do. way that someone Laura someone could participate in this? She holds, she's the craft facilitator and she holds the meetings three days a week, Mondays, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, what are the hours, Laurie? So Monday is 7 to 8.30, Tuesday is 6.30 to 8, and then Wednesdays is 6 to 7.30. And remember, this is all Eastern time. Yes. 
And yeah, so she, she holds the meetings all week long. And um, if if anybody ever wants to, um, yeah. Yeah, if you want to, you can go to the website and my email address, you can email me and I can send you the links. But also um, uh, my email address, if you want it, it's lcmac11 at comcast.net. And you just email me, I'll send you the links and you can join us in a meeting if you'd like. Oh, that's great. Oh. Yeah, my, 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 my mom just said, there you go, already joined. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You rule, mom. So um, before, yeah, so any any uh, any sort of final thoughts, uh, Tina, before we kind of wrap up here? I, I really appreciate the work that y'all do. It, it sounds like something that I would love to see way more of, if you want my opinion. Um, but any, any closing remarks or final thoughts? No, I just thank you so much for giving us, you know, the opportunity to be able to you know, let everybody know about it because it's a lot different. You gave us a whole hour to be able to let people know. And that's, that's gold right there, you know? So thank you very much. No, absolutely. I'm happy to, I, I learned a lot too, and I haven't even <laughs> signed up to the class or anything. Lori, any, any final thoughts, closing remarks? No, I just, I want to say thank you for having us on here. Um, this was fun. I really enjoyed it. I know. Yeah. I'm nervous. I almost, I just said, oh my God, I can't do this. Y'all are naturals. Absolutely yeah, naturals. No, I'd love to get you on again at some point. I mean, it, it's, it's really refreshing. Um, so yeah, yeah thank, thank you very much, ladies. And I just want to let all the family families out there know there, there, there are things you can do. There is hope. Um, and as uh, I, I was reading through some of the comments, um, yeah, it's all about all pathways to recovery. It is. Oh, definitely. Multiple pathways. I'm, I'm, I'm totally on board there. Yeah. So um, just to close out, um, if you have a loved one that is uh, suffering from substance use disorder and would like to educate yourself more on it, please visit uh, Rest Helps. Org. That's R-E-S-T-H-E-L-P-S dot org. Um, big shout out to our producer, Todd. He's always crushing it, even though um, he's been busy as a dog lately. Um, Lori and Tina, it's been an absolute delight. I'd love to have you on um, and, and and talking about something even bigger. Uh, we can, we, I, I had a blast. It's, it's been wonderful speaking with you ladies, and, and I, I really appreciate the work that you do. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank All right, you. this has been Getting the Herd After Hours. Y'all have a great rest of your night, and we will talk to you later. Thanks, ladies. Bye.